Welcome back to another episode of Rocky Unscripted, where we talk about faith when Sunday is over. So glad you're joining us today. I hope you guys are doing well. Today, we have a special guest joining Sean Moyers and I, and her name is Cindy Fiala. Cindy has a very special place in her heart. I, I've been able to sit through three of Cindy's trainings here at Rocky, two with our staff, and most recently, she's done a training for a lot of our key leaders and volunteers here at Rocky. But she doesn't just do trainings. Cindy also has just experience working in the church for over 30 years. She's been a volunteer, a children's director, a family pastor. She was an executive pastor of ministries. But most recently, she is the founder and owner of Collective Co. This is a coaching and consulting group. She works with leaders all over the country and that she helps them be more effective and productive. But here's the thing, through clarity and alignment, which is very difficult to, to bring to an organization. But her passion is not just to see people succeed at work. She wants to see them live wholehearted lives at home. No easy task. Best of all, Cindy and her husband, John, live here in Colorado. They actually live in my neighborhood, which is super cool. And they have three grown kids. They have two bonus kids that married into the family and they have six grandkids. So there's a lot of life experience that she can pull from. And there's a lot that she can offer to the conversation today. So without any further ado, let's dive into the conversation with Cindy. Cindy, it is so good to have you on Rocky and Scripted. Thanks for being here. Yeah, thanks for inviting me. I love being here. Thank you. Absolutely. I'm excited about this episode specifically too. I like when we talk about leadership stuff. Mm. And what I like about your experience and what you have to offer, you're not just bringing, hey, do this, don't do this, and and you'll be a good leader. It's more of a holistic mm-hmm. approach. And recently, I, I've heard that you have been, yes, you've worked with a lot of churches, but also just organizations across the gamut. Are there, are there any certain types of organizations that you've been working with more specifically recently? Yeah, it's so... Things that you never thought you would ever say, right? (laughs) So I'm working with a lot of software companies, a lot of tech companies, three in particular. And um, it's a space that I never thought I would be in. Mm -hmm. I have some history with dental offices and medical offices when I was first getting into my career. And so that felt like a kind of a normal thing. And then, Mm -hmm. of course, I was in the church for so long. Mm -hmm. And so that's a really normal thing for me. Mm -hmm. But being in this tech um, industry has been a lot of fun. I'm learning a lot. I would imagine if I stepped into like a software organization, (laughs) I think I'd be like, I don't think I have anything to offer you guys. So that kudos to you. Oh, no, for sure. I mean, here's the, here's the beautiful thing about what I get to do is that I don't actually need to under... Yeah. This is going to st- sound funny, but I don't actually need to understand what you're building or what you're making or even what your services are. Mm. You're hiring me. You've asked me to come in to help you build a cohesive team yeah. and to create clarity for your organization. Yeah. That I can do. Mm. Um, and that's where you see a consistency, mm-hmm. that consistent need across organizations, no matter what you're, you're building or selling or, or whatever your product is. Right. So I would love, uh, this is going to sound really general and we'll get more and more niche questions as we go along, but I would just love to, okay, with all these organizations that you're working with, are there some common maybe pitfalls or or common issues that you see organizations stumbling through? Yeah. You know, it's interesting. We just came through a series here at Rocky called your past is showing and that doesn't just show up in your family, in your home. Mm. It shows up in your organization as well. 
And so one of the biggest pain points that we see over and over and over again is a lack of clarity around why the organization exists, around, hey, how are we even going to behave? Do we have core values? Not core beliefs, but core values, a set of values that, man, if everyone within the organization behaves this way, we're going to, everyone's going to succeed. What do we do? That's a different question. It's, it's backwards facing. It's not frontwards facing. A lot of times organizations will create these very pithy type of mission statements and they're forward facing. They've got them on their website. They've got them on their wall, but they don't use them to make decisions. Mm -hmm. And so the clarity questions that we walk people through are meant to help them make better decisions about what they will do and about what they won't do. So is that the difference between, you mentioned core beliefs versus core values. Is that the difference? Beliefs aren't necessarily determining, like, this is this is the action that we take? Yeah. it Beliefs are, they're maybe innate. They're, this is how, you know, we believe that this product is the best product for, you know, the industry. A core value in our vernacular is how we behave. Mm-hmm. Is there a certain a certain set of behaviors that are non-negotiable mm. and they're not, they're not accidental. They're not aspirational. Like, gosh, we really want to be, we really want to be the, the most, uh, the best organization with integrity mm-hmm. um, or um, we really want to be fun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they aspire to be i actually had an organization Uh of an oil company and they're like we really want to be fun and i'm like oh they were buttoned up so tight and i'm like (laughs) did they buy a ping pong table is that was that their name that's the answer ping pong table something anyway those are aspirational and they're also not um what we would call permission to play Mm. like they're they're low-hanging fruit to be a part of, like, just like, let's just say Rocky. Well, we, you know, we want everybody to have integrity. It kind of goes without saying. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like we shouldn't have to make that a stated value. It's like that's low-hanging fruit that goes without saying. So we help organizations get to the core of who they are. Like you guys here at Rocky have some really great Mm. organizational values that I love. And I will tell you the first time we came here, I think Matt was preaching and he actually said, we've got a value here at, at Rocky. And he stated it. And I'm like elbowing my husband. (laughs) They have values. Mm. This is great. They Mm -hmm. have values. So an organiz- values will help keep an organization. It actually creates a culture within the organization. Mm-hmm. Man, that's so that's so true. Like we've seen it. it there's been like a marked difference um, in two areas, but it's there's been like a marked difference in our staff. You talk about per- per- permission to play values, mm-hmm. but in the culture that has been created around here at Rocky with our staff that has flowed down to our volunteers. Yep, and that. So that culture has created so much more health and relationships, so much more accountability, so much more authenticity, I think, uh, as we look at those. I mean, we've got values like, you know, people first, and there's a whole explanation behind that, where it comes from, right? Same team for, you know, and we uh, just say it. um, It was just say it that that Matt 
quoted yeah. during that message. And we've got three more, mm-hmm. but really those three really yeah. stand out. But it was interesting. Then when we created values, church values, where we talk about, you know, um, just just putting first things first, yeah. uh, going together and for the one and putting scripture behind those, man, it became so much easier to create a culture around here of growth and spirituality mm-hmm. and how, how you actually do these things and what you actually lean into. Um and so it was, it was interesting. We had that around staff, but I think when we had the list of like eight or nine church values, man, nobody remember them. Yeah. Right. But when it became three that yep. had stories behind them, scripture behind them, foundation behind them, you could see our people just start gravitating and saying, this isn't so hard right. uh, to grow and to learn, created a culture of growth. Yeah. So. And what's really interesting about that, I love that you guys have three. They have to be memorable and repeatable. Uh-huh. They can't be so heady and so wordy that nobody remembers. Mm-hmm. Um, there's an organization that I'm working with now um, that they've got, I think they've got really great values, but they haven't done the work to actually inculcate them mm-hmm. into the, the, the executive team knows and maybe the next level down, but the people on the ground, they have a very hard time answering that question. So, mm-hmm. Um, clarity makes a huge difference when it comes to how, how successful you'll be with hitting your, your mark, like a mission statement for, for instance, a mission statement, isn't a branding statement. Mm -hmm. It actually is why you exist. It's the overarching North star. This is why we exist. Everything that you do should point to that North star and get you to that North star. If you're if your mission statement is is not focused enough on that, mm. then it's just a branding statement, mm-hmm. and it won't get you where you need to go. And is that where it organizations stumble into a lack of clarity? Mm-hmm. Okay, so can you speak to that practically? That w- I think because no one no one would disagree and say you know clarity is not important. Everyone is like, well, of course it's important, but how does it start to break down? Um, a lack of communication. So when we're when we're leading when we're leading um, teams through this clarity process, and we finally got the we've got the clarity. We have six questions that we walk them through. Um, why do we exist? How do we behave? What do we do? How will we succeed? That speaks to strategy. What are the strategic anchors? That mm-hmm. we're just going to pull week over week after week. We're not going to, we don't have to do a million things, but we do need to do mm. a couple of things really, really well in order to hit that North Star. And then the last two are more temporary. What's most important right now? What do we need to do right now? Maybe what's broken, where's a gap, mm. whatever that is, something new, a new opportunity. Everybody's got to know the answer to those six questions hmm. in order to have clarity. Once we have that clarity, then the next discipline, we call it, that we walk teams through is communicating, over-communicating that clarity. And that starts at the top. Mm. We, have, we, have to, we have to do that through simplicity, multiple mediums, repetition. Every single person on the executive team and the, and the team right below that executive team needs to be using the answer to those six questions in their everyday language. Mm-hmm. It was one of the things, again, I'm going to say it because I was so excited. I hadn't seen another church here in Colorado after we moved here with that um, explicit clarity mm. until we came here. Mm. 
because you are using it even mm. in a message. So when you go go back to those questions for a second, when you they're in order for a reason, correct? Mm. Like you can't start with five, four, five, and six until you have the first done. Because an observation that I have made, being here, is that we know our mission. Our mission statement um, right. is very clear. It's very simple to know Jesus and love like Him. We want to help as many people as possible mm-hmm. know Jesus and love like Him. Yeah. Now we have values that lead toward that, like Mm -hmm. you said. I've noticed when we didn't have the value conversation down, the conversation we had wasn't with our staff, wasn't, man, we don't have values. It was, we don't have vision. Mm -hmm. What is the vision? Mm -hmm. It's been really interesting when we clarified values, we're actually Mm -hmm. going through a process right now where we're talking more about vision and longer, what are we doing? What what, longer term things, goals. Mm -hmm. But that conversation with our staff has piped way down Mm -hmm. uh, because I think there's, there's a kind of misunderstanding there. They're, Mm -hmm. what they're really saying is, is man, what, why do we do what we do and, Mm -hmm. and how are Mm -hmm. we supposed to do that? And then you get the icing on the cake after you get your values down or your values down and your mission, you know what your mission is usually. Right. But once you get your values down of here's how we're going to act as we do this, here's the culture we're going to create and our church values they kind of define vision too. There's nothing that we're going to mm-hmm. do that's not going to be for the one. Right. Like we're going to go after that. Jesus left the 99 to be for the one. He loved the 99. He came back to them, but he left to go get the one. We want to go get that. So our vision has to be set toward it. But once we set those values, I noticed that the vision conversation with our staff changed. Mm-hmm. Now, right now, it's icing on the cake. When you come back around, you're saying, okay, because we have our mission, because we have values, because we know what everybody's doing, now it's what are the longer term goals? Yeah. And that's where people get really excited. Yeah. But I, have you observed that, what, yeah. you, what I'm saying? Well, one of the biggest things that I see is people will create, again, they'll create this list of answers that every organization is supposed to have. But then they just sit there. Mm-hmm. They don't use them to actually make decisions and to create culture. Yeah. And so then they wonder, well, why did we miss the mark there? Or why do we have a revolving door? Or why don't people love our product like we love our product? Because they haven't driven that clarity, mm. all six answers into their culture at such a deep level that everybody owns it. It's like... When I walk into any building, um, I'll have, I'll have, um, clients ask if I'll come and do like a secret shopper at a church or, um, an organization. And I just had a conversation not too long ago with the CEO and I said, look, I should be able to walk into this, this office building and ask anybody kind of like man on the street. Mm-hmm. Hey, tell me why you exist. And it shouldn't be crickets. Yeah. They should instantly know, hey, how do you guys behave here? Mm-hmm. What, are the, what are the non-negotiable behavioral values here? And it shouldn't, there shouldn't even be a lapse of time if we're doing our job right. Yeah. If we've over-communicated it. And then the last discipline that we walk teams through, and this is, again, another way to kind of inculcate it into the organization is we reinforce the clarity through human systems. Are we actually using our clarity to hire? Yeah. Are we using our clarity for evaluation and reward, or are we only um, evaluating and rewarding numbers? Mm. 
right? So whatever that looks like in the church, that's how many, how, how many new volunteers do you have on your team? How many people have we baptized? How many, you know, whatever the, the numerical metrics are that we have within the church. Um, the same thing is with any organization, every, almost every single time without fail, I get people that say, no, I'm just evaluated on my performance. Mm, I'm not evaluated on how I'm contributing to our, our North star, our mission. I'm not evaluated on how I represent the values Mm -hmm. within this place. And so, and then we would also say that it's the way we use our clarity also to release people to their next opportunities. Mm -hmm. Yes. Right. Because not every person is meant to be in every single organization. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's not a bad thing. That's okay, right? Dr. Henry Cloud wrote a great book called Necessary Endings. Uh, are you guys, have you oh, read it? Yeah. It's oh great my gosh. Book. I've read most of it. Yeah. Most of it. <laughs> I don't finish most <laughs> books. <laughs> it's a great book. It's okay. yeah. It is. Yeah. You can pick, you can actually cherry can pick, pick that book. Sh- okay. yeah. yeah. It's such a good book because he just, you know, one of the statements he makes in there is like, we've got to, We've got to normalize endings. Mm. And why do we attach shame to it? Mm-hmm. Like something bad has happened yeah. every time. Like we can actually release people and love them really well. Sometimes it is the most loving thing mm-hmm. we can do because we know they're not thriving here, but they do have gifts and talents and experience that will bring bring an enormous amount of benefit and value mm-hmm. to a different organization. Mm-hmm. Well, the interesting thing too, I think, is that when you don't have values and you have to release someone, it it com- it is a it feels to them like a um, it is who they are. You are judging yep. who they are as a person. Mm-hmm. When you have values and they're not living by the values, mm-hmm. they have to admit that yeah. it is a behavioral thing. Mm-hmm. That it's not always just on, and we have to admit when it is on us. But uh-huh. when it becomes a behavioral thing and a values thing, then it becomes it's not who you are; it is how you're behaving, mm-hmm. and you have control of that. I don't have control of that. That's right. And so it, it becomes a much easier thing to do. Mm-hmm. It's never easy, never good. Well, but, and it shouldn't be. Yes, because yeah. we're rocking someone's world. Yes, but we can do it in a way that allows that person to leave with dignity uh-huh. and. And hopefully a, a long runway. This is and what grow. I grow. Yes. You have a reason. Not just you didn't produce. Right. But here is a reason. That's yeah. that's exactly right. One of the things that I tell leaders all the time, your values as we're helping them develop their values, your values will front load every hard conversation you will ever have. Mm-hmm. Ex- expand on that. Okay. If you're using let's let's just use this example of the values. As part of your onboarding, mm-hmm. the way you do orientation, the way the way you continue to have conversations with people about um, within during your one on ones and all those kind of things, then when you have to have a crucial conversation, mm-hmm. number one, it's not you against them; it's the value sets the standard. Yeah, and now all of a sudden, it's like I. I love you as a person. I, I admire you. Here's the thing that is non-negotiable though here. And so either how can we self-correct this or is this a different conversation? Yeah. I can see how that can play out. I'll, I'll use a specific example. One of the values that we have here in our staff culture at Rocky is same team. 
Yep. And the idea being, we are all of us are going to embrace, we are going to look for opportunities to help one another as opposed to saying, oh, that's not my job. So I would, I can imagine those conversations saying, hey, you know, this is, the situation happened and, uh, you know, if I can be blunt, didn't really seem like a same team type of a decision. Mm -hmm. right. It looked like you were trying to protect your department and your interest and you left that department out to, you know, uh, what is it, the tournament? Hang him out to dry. Yeah. 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 And, and I can imagine how that, that plays out. And it's not mm -hmm. me saying, I don't like how you're behaving. Yep. It's saying you uh, bruised this value or yeah. you even broke the, this value that we have. I could see how that could play out. That'd be helpful for those difficult conversations. Oh, it's so helpful because, and to your point, Sean, you made a statement a minute ago, unless it's on us, you know, and what, what's on us? I always ask myself three questions when it comes to this conversation. You know, we're having mm -hmm. a crucial conversation. Um, number one, is it on me? Have I done everything to resource this mm -hmm. person, to train this person? Did we do a great job with orientation and training and all, all the things that goes into bringing someone new on your team and then continuing to train them as yeah. they're in that role, right? Um, so is it on me? The second thing, is there maybe a personal issue going on that I'm not aware of? Mm. Because we know that, you know, things happen in our world and it does affect our productivity. Yeah, yeah. It does affect how we show up sometimes. Um, in fact, just recently at the table group, Pat and some of our colleagues have been having some of the, a, a conversation about um, just being vulnerable, even when we walk in in the morning, let's say we've had a bad morning with our family or we got pulled over by a, you know, a cop on the way in because we were speeding or we spill our coffee, whatever. Is it, isn't it okay just to walk into a meeting and go, you guys, I'm just not on my game this morning. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We don't have to go into all the detail, but man, life is really kind of hard right now. I'll get back on my game. I'm okay. But because here's the thing, we as humans were hardwired for story. Mm. And if we're sitting around a table, we're in a meeting, um, maybe I come in and I'm all, I'm a three when I'm, when my world is not right, man, you'll know it. Cause I wear it all right here. <laughs> but and we I'm, think, and we I'm, think we don't, we <laughs> think we don't, but everybody else knows, right? I'm trying really yeah. hard to put on a good facade, yeah. right? Yeah. But everybody else is thinking, oh my God. Yeah, 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 yeah. Did I it it did I mess up on that project? There, there. We have this innate ability just to make it about ourselves. Personalize, yeah, we do. Personal. We personalize it. But if we can come in and just go, just want you to know, hey, life is not easy right now. I'll be fine, and you don't have to give the details. So, is there something personal going on mm. in their life that we're not aware of? That's affecting their productivity. And then the last thing is, quite frankly, did we just make the wrong call? Mm -hmm. mm. Hiring is 50-50. It, it just is not a perfect science. And sometimes you can hire somebody, they can do have a great interview, and they wow everyone. And they get in there and you're like, oh my goodness, I don't know if this is the right, I don't know if we made the right call. And sometimes we hire people that interviewed horrible and they yeah. hit it out of the park, okay. right? So three questions when we're talking about, you know, those crucial conversations. Is it on me as a leader? Is there something going on in their personal life? Or 
Is this just the wrong seat of the bus? Cindy, it's interesting. You you made a statement, though. You said hiring's 50-50. Oh, yeah. And I agree with that. I agree with that if you're if you're doing things well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think you can maybe go above that 50% mm. success rate if mm-hmm. you're doing things and you're really doing your homework. Mm-hmm. Like it, and, and if you have your values down, if you're hiring to your values, if you're doing all the things like you do 100%. with your personality tests. But then also, man, I find so many people missing on uh, just the, the whole principle of like, you know, prior... Uh, activity and success is a, is a best indicator of future success, right? Mm-hmm. So what you've done in the past is going to tell what you're going to do in the future. And most people don't check up on those things. Right. I've had so, we've had so many, we've even had, had people leave here that we've loved dearly. But we're like, man, I, we, if we had to do that, that over again, we wouldn't hire them. Yep. And other people hire them, put them in big leadership positions and never check. Hey, look, I, when I was leading um, the biggest team I've ever led, I was on, on staff at a church in Texas and, um, I, I hired a, a, a new person onto our family ministry team. Great. Just great. Um, it became very clear within two weeks mm-hmm. that it may have been premature. Mm to hire this person. Mm-hmm. And we've had this conversation and, it, but here's what happened. So God moved us here. We, I, I left that team in the, in the very able hands of somebody that I had brought up and they hired this person back <laughs> and she's thriving. Interesting. So even leadership styles, mm-hmm. I think very true. Very is, true. Is it's interesting because someone might work really well under me, and you know, we were talking before we went on air about the differences between how two people that can have the same enneagram or the same Myers Briggs or whatever can can come across very different, and both of those people may mm-hmm. not be able to lead one individual the way the other one can. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, certain people certain uh, function better in different mm-hmm. uh, cultures, and yeah. you get the best out of them, and it's okay. Yep. It's not, it just might be a better fit. Yeah. What's What's interesting to me on that is I think all the things that you're talking about in an organization, a business, because we have a lot of people that listen that run businesses yeah. And, yeah. and that, but we have a lot of people that don't. And they're like, okay, how's this apply? But everything you're yeah. talking about applies to families, I mean, I was even thinking about it. you're talking about hiring. This this is a, like a weird correlation. Can we hire different family members? Yeah, I, didn't, no. I didn't know about this. But, no. Okay, but I was even thinking like dating. Yeah. Like you, you have in life, family, dating relationships, all those things. We would be very wise to have values that we're saying, mm-hmm. hey, here's here's kind of my permission to play values. Now you don't go date somebody and sit down on your first date and say, here's my permission to play values, but you need to know in your mind Mm -hmm. and in your heart, what am I looking for? Right. And how do I want to function and act? And you can't have values unless you're trying to function that way. Right. But that's, those are the things, how you make decisions. You said a hundred percent. And I find a lot of families could actually do well to be like some businesses and say, Hey, what are our permission to play values? Yeah. For us as a couple, for us as parents, for you as kids, like what do we value and what are we going to be about? Or our family. What are the values that our family, this is just yeah. how we rule, 
right? Um, so it, it's so interesting you brought that up. Pat wrote a book years ago called um, Three Questions for the Frantic Family. I've read it. It's great. It's so great. And we'll, we'll do talks for, yeah. for parents and, and um, groups at schools and whatnot around that. It's fascinating because that one simple, it's not as detailed as the six clarity questions as we walk companies through, but it's three questions. I remember the question... Um, what's important right now, right now was, was huge. Like what are your values? That's huge. But then, I mean, even you think about with my wife and I, that question is so good. Like even, even just going out on a date and sitting down and saying, Hey babe, what I was listening to a podcast. I was listening to an Ed Milet podcast cast and he had a guy on talking about relationships. He said, one of the best questions you could ask your spouse is what's most important to you in the next 30 days. Yeah. Hmm. That's a great question. Yep. Like if I sit down and ask Jen that um, right now, we're having a lot of good conversations about, I would know what she, she would say. Mm-hmm. I know right now what she would say. Now I, I should that. still should ask that question, mm-hmm. but how good would that be? And probably how loved would a person feel if their spouse said, what is most important to you right now in the next 30 days? Yeah. I, you know, it's, it's interesting because in the book, Pat talks about, you know, I think they were getting ready. They already had three kids and they yeah. <laughs> were getting ready surprised to have a fourth mm. and and at the point that he wrote this book the the thing that was most important right then the two before them before the new baby were twins the thing that's most important right now is we've got to get ready for this baby and part mm. of that is making sure these twins are potty trained before this baby comes along <laughs> and whatever else it was and I'm like it just blew my mind because we think about these principles for work and for corporations and businesses and organizations and teams but we don't actually correlate it to our families, to your mm-hmm. point. Everything we do is work. That's, yeah. Everything we do is work. I mean, there's a model that we use. You guys have heard me talk about this a lot. And the more that we use it, the more we realize how powerful it is. It's called the working genius. Um, and it's, it's really, it's a workflow model. But it's also an assessment of where you best contribute. But when you stop to think about just even thinking about planning a vacation at home. Yeah. <laughs> it starts with wonder. Hey, I wonder if we should go on vacation this month, this year. I wonder, I wonder where we should go. Where could we go? You know, it's all the wonder questions. Mm-hmm. And then whoever has the ideas, man, they're just like, oh, I know we could go here. We could go here. We could go camping or we could go to a resort. We could do, you know, they could, whatever it is. Then you work through discernment and galvanizing and to the point where you're actually implementing, you're buying the tickets, you're making the reservations and you're going. Everything we do is work. Raising kids Mm -hmm. is work. And yet we don't, we don't look at it. We kind of approach it from this. We'll figure it out. <laughs> so, so how this I could see this play out um, in in a, in a family environment. You mentioned working genius, and you did a training with our team, and it was an, an acronym, right? Widget. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You, you were just starting to go through it. Wonder, invention, um, invention, discernment, discernment, galvanizing, mm-hmm. enablement, and tenacity. And it spells that widget. Mm-hmm. And through assessment, we were able to determine where which one of. Uh, which of those things are our working genius? This is when we are operating in this in this area, whether it's wonder, invention, and galvanize, whatever. Mm-hmm. That is where we contribute the most. So in our families, that's still true. 100%. So um, Amanda and I, my wife, we're planning a vacation. We planned a vacation. And she she has not taken 
the working genius uh, assessment. But I think for her, it would, it, she'd probably be pretty high in wonder mm-hmm. and maybe even invention. Okay. And after doing training with you, I am discernment and galvanizing. Okay. So I know we're kind of already in the weeds uh, the, for any listener out there. We're the same. Okay. <laughs> but like where this takes, where this plays out is she will cast some vision and then she kind of like fades off in the distance. And then I will start researching like crazy, way too much. And then I'll, I'll reach a certain point where I'm like, I, I think it's either one or two or three of these things that we need to, to decide on. And, um, and then I like pitch it back to her. It's the funniest thing. So yeah. I'm connecting these dots because yeah. I often will, we, we separate it. Work is work and home is different. And it's like, it, we, we, we act like home is a completely new yeah. set of rules. Yep. And what you're saying is no, it's not, it's not. So for a listener right now that might be looking at their life and they're saying, I, I could raise my hand when I say this life at home is crazy and at times frantic <laughs> And we're just, I've, my oldest is just in high school now. And I feel like things are getting busier and busier and busy. The calendar is getting more and more full. There's not enough of us in the, well, the family. high schooler all the way down to a uh, six-year-old. Six-year-old, yeah. 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 So it's like, I, I would love to be able to develop these driving things that help us make decisions, that help us choose what's best. Is there any practical advice that you'd offer. And, and I acknowledge this. We've, we've already been talking about it. So I don't mean to, to just reiterate some things, but if you can boil it down to how do we, how can we bring some of these, these concepts into our home? Yeah. Well, and when we're talking, so when we're talking about um, core values, behavioral values for organizations, we will instruct teams that these are core to you. Mm-hmm. Like these are not Again, they're not aspirational, but we want to be fun. Yeah. <laughs> um, the same thing would hold true with families. Mm. So, for instance, um, for us, uh, genuine curiosity, it's mm. like, okay, we're going to lean into that. Um, love, love well. And and for me, the, the word that, what did, we have some really cool words. Mm. Um, it's like, I'm going to lean in and love even when it's hard. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then the last one is we do hard things. We got that one too. We do hard things. So whether it's a personal thing that you want to do, or it's like a hard conversation, <laughs> no, we're going to sit down and do hard things. I'm going to love you really well to do this. So whatever those curiosity is super important to me doing hard things is super important to John and loving well is super important to both of us because we're Christ followers and we Mm -hmm. believe that that's what God's asked us to do is to love really well. And so, um, those might sound really high or what, whatever ethereal, but for us, they help to mandate when we will, (laughs) are we going to have that hard hard conversation? Mm, Yeah. Actually, we are because we've agreed we're going to do hard things. Mm-hmm. Are we going to be go that extra level of generous, generous love? That's what it was. Um, are we going to go that extra level of generosity? Yep. Because it's part of, it's one of our core values. Mm-hmm. So I, 
I would sit down and the way we do it with organizations, I would do it the same way with your family. I would get a big old piece of paper or a whiteboard if you have it at home. And I would just ask, I would get all your kids around and your kids are big enough. They could do this. Mm-hmm. Hey, you guys, what are the character traits of people that you really love to hang out with? Mm, that's yeah, that's good. What are the character traits of the, of, of your friends that are really hard to be with? The opposite list. And then you start kind of forming them together in buckets, the similar ones. Maybe it is, man, I, honesty is just a no-brainer. Mm-hmm. Or um, respect is a really big one. Like, I don't like it when people are disrespectful. Um, and then, then you, you narrow it down to three. Okay, what are we going to call these? You can have one word, you could have two words, you could have three words. Mm-hmm. But I think it's super important because then again, <laughs> it front loads every heart conversation you have with each other. Mm-hmm. Your kids will start using that language. Hey, I thought we were all about doing hard things here. How come we're not? <laughs> Just so like, don't bring that up with so me right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. Okay, so this is, this is what I love. You said you narrowed it down to three mm-hmm. because if these are values that drive behaviors, it's not just a list of rules that are governing behavior. Right. Because I could see that being overwhelming. And you mm-hmm. hear about those stories where people say, I want it out of that house. Right. In fact, I rebelled against it. Right. So they didn't work. The other thing I'm, 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 I'm seeing or hearing you say is you and John, these were already values that were true for you. Right. You didn't have to create them in like those aspirational values that you're saying. Right. I want, I hope someday I'm honest. Right. It's like, no, no, like, let's start from a sense of integrity and honesty. But I think for families right now listening or or leaders, these are things that are already intrinsic. They're already within you. You Mm -hmm. just need to be able to identify them and call them out and eventually articulate articulate them. them. And maybe that's where that clarity is coming from, I'm assuming, for your teams or for your families. Mm -hmm. So that's that that's hopeful for me because it means these things already exist. We just have to mine for them. Well, That's exactly right. what was interesting about our staff values is they did already exist yeah. and they were already language we were using and they, and then we clarified some and they became a little more catchy and whatever, yeah. but we just named things that were already there that we were like, we, we, these are really important to us. Yeah. And then once we had them down, you know, it, it became much easier to put them into every other part, every other decision we were making mm-hmm. our hiring our evaluating all those things mm-hmm. but for our family we actually i think that's a great idea to sit down and really begin to you know brainstorm with your family that'd be a fun night oh it to would do be that. so much fun especially i mean like with your boys and your girls your boys are old enough to do that mm-hmm. right well but what's interesting is our family values came the same way yeah as our church values like we didn't have a brainstorming session yeah we actually, there were things that just continually kept coming up that were very important to my wife, very important to me. Mm-hmm. Some, like you said, more important to Jen, some more important to me. Mm-hmm. And then we just had a conversation about it. Yeah. We said, these are our values. And we just, we just started naming them and pulling them out. And you're right, man, our, I've been called a ton of times by our kids, you know, by something <laughs> that is a value. They're like, dad, remember this, right? Mm-hmm. You know, kind of thing. Yeah. But I think what becomes so important is that becomes the decision-making power, like you're saying, later for our kids. 
If we teach them values that have to do with integrity or even having fun or um, um, kindness, you know, whatever, we mm-hmm. do hard things. That's one of ours. Mm-hmm. And we had read a book called Do Hard mm-hmm. Things. became a value. We see later on that they still live out those values. You can't expect your kids to get out of the house and live according to a certain kind of lifestyle if you've never helped articulate it for them. Mm-hmm. Well, just a little while ago, you said, uh, we were, I, I think it was, <laughs> I think it was this conversation. You mentioned how, um, man, if people only had like this list of attributes that um, they were looking for, didn't, right? What yeah. Are talking yeah. About like, <laughs> like dating and stuff? Dating. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. When the, when our kids get older, they already have those as their DNA. Yep. It's like, no, 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 I, no, this is how I roll. Yeah. And you've just got to know that there, there are some things that I just will not cross a line on. Mm-hmm. And it's not a rule. It's, it's, it's an intrinsic DNA. Or not even there's some things that I won't cross a line on. There's some things I won't let you cross the well, line exa- on in how you treat me. 100%. Like I'm going to value yep. myself. Yep. But it but it goes both ways in that. Mm-hmm. I think you know for a young lady, you know having that value of how you're going to be treated and treasured and mm-hmm. valued. And if a guy doesn't do that, yeah. Hey, I've got a value of that. Sorry. Yeah. And and moving on. Right. You know. And I think one thing that we've done in in our kind of church history, not necessarily Rocky, but just like the Big C Church is in some regard, we set the bar too low. You talk about the low-hanging fruit. I'm just going to, I, I, I want to date someone of faith. I want to date a Christian. And it's like, <laughs> okay, what does that even mean? Yeah. And you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like you got you to gotta develop like the, the three values that you talked about, you and John. Those are really interesting. Mm-hmm. And, they're, and, they're, and there are a lot of things that you could say that you chose not to say. Mm-hmm. Uh, because it's like, well, yeah, we're going to be a home that loves or uh that's kind to one another, or we're going to be a home where we don't yell, or we're going to be a home that we don't cuss. I mean, there's all the, the, the whole list of things that's like, mm-hmm. well, yeah, 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 that, that's low hanging fruit. But recognizing that need of mm-hmm. saying, no, 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 articulate this, because otherwise you're going to hire the wrong people, you're going to date the wrong people, mm-hmm. you're going to allow certain behaviors in your home and in your office happen, yeah. and you're sitting there pulling your hair out going, why are people doing this? Right. Why is my family like this? Well, it's, it's probably because you don't have those values set. Or yeah. they were way too low. It was low-hanging fruit. It was low-hanging fruit. Mm-hmm. And the other interesting thing, if you have the direction that you're heading in your life and you have values as those boundaries, it, it creates an easier opportunity to go back to the vision conversation mm-hmm. for you to set a vision of what you're looking for in life. Yeah. Same thing in business. Yep. It's like the questions are there in order. Yep. And we set the boundaries, the values, this the permission to play, and then we can set the vision of what we actually see, see possible. And I think it's the same thing for relationships, family, kids, dating, all of that, we can help them see a better picture. Mm-hmm. And when they get into an unhealthy picture, they're going, "Wow, this is just not, Why yeah. does this, feel this isn't so more wrong. normal. Yeah. And there's a lot of us that grew up in really, you know, some people grew up in very unhealthy and dysfunctional places and there were no values. Mm-hmm. And you get out into life and you're just, man, if we could help set that picture, I think for our kids, for our employees, for ourselves, man, it just creates a bigger vision of what's possible. And maybe actually, I think this, I was listening to something earlier. I hope this doesn't sound self-serving, but I think it's right. It ends up creating a better vision for ourselves of what we actually deserve. Mm -hmm. So I think a lot of us, a lot of people don't grow up with a vision of like, Mm -hmm. hey, actually, 
I am valuable and I think I do deserve to be treated this way or compensated Mm -hmm. this way Mm -hmm. or have relationships this way. And man, if we could create those kind of boundaries, those kind of values, those kind that kind of vision, man, how much more could be possible right? um, for our kids, for our employees, for our, for ourselves Mm -hmm. um, would be good. Well, here's one of the things as you were talking, I was thinking one of the statements that I make a lot is clarity is kind. Mm. Not to be clear is one of the markers having confusion within your organization, within your family, whatever, whatever that organization is, that's good. Is actually very unkind Mm -hmm. and unloving. We don't very typically um, attach the word kind and loving to business. Mm. And yet, one of the things that I like to reiterate to every team I work with, whether they're a for-profit or a non-profit, whether they're a tech company and they're, you know, they're, they're creating software to help create solutions or where they're a church, is that you're an organization of people. And you are building something mm-hmm. for people. Mm-hmm. So actually you are in the people business. Yeah. And you're doing it through this access point of whatever it is that you have. Mm. And so for us to think about clarity, um, it's not that far of a stretch to go, okay, this is what I do in my business. This is what I do with my team. Why wouldn't we want clarity within our families? Yeah. Because here's one of the things that we that we know from the work that we do. If if teams have cohesiveness, if there's trust, if there's good, healthy banter, we call it conflict. Um, we can talk about that in a minute. Mm-hmm. Um, if they have this kind of cohesiveness that is based on clarity and every decision is filtered through that clarity, then what happens when those people go home? <laughs> They're a whole lot happier when they go home. They're a whole lot happier. Yeah. Yeah. How many times do we hear, or maybe we grew up, you know, maybe some of our parents, we grew up, you know, hearing our parents come home. It's like, oh man, work was a drag today. I gotta go to work. You know, it's all, there's, there's this, um, this bad vision that we have of work. Mm. It's a have to, not a get to. Yeah. But what if, what if we could create workplaces, organizations, and environments where people love to be there, even doing hard things, but they love to be there because, because the culture is good, because I have a voice there and I'm valued, um, whatever, whatever it is, people will go home and they will be different at home. Yeah. And when they're different at home, families are different and then neighborhoods are different. And communities are different. Yeah. And I think that probably a stewardship issue too for people who do lead businesses mm-hmm. or lead divisions within businesses or they're an owner of a business. I think if we really look at our lives faith-wise and we are responsible, like I, I would say, you know, a lot of people look at me here and they would say, you're a pastor here at, at Rocky. So is Nick. And we, um, but I would say to a person who's a business owner, Man, there is a stewardship of that business that mm-hmm. God has given you, and you have the opportunity to be the pastor of, of that. Why would you not 
I mean, yeah. organizations, you're really right. I mean, at the, at the end of the, the, at the end of the day, most organizations just look at the bottom line, mm-hmm. but really your greatest asset and resource to get to that bottom line is people. Yeah. And why would you not steward that well? And you're mm-hmm. saying creating clarity, creating, here's what we're about. Here's how we will behave. Here's the values that will govern those behaviors. And then here's what we're going to do, creating clarity for everybody. It creates a whole lot more peace, a whole lot more mm-hmm. happiness. I've worked in, it's interesting, I've worked in similar sized organizations. Um, and I've worked in, I would say the organizations accomplished the same amount. Mm-hmm. But I've actually been in a couple of organizations that was a whole lot happier. My family enjoyed me a whole lot more mm-hmm. after. And I felt a whole lot more successful in those yeah. opportunities, even though probably the results on the back end of both places were the same. I, th- I think it was, I mean, this is, this is going way back. Andy Stanley said, leadership is stewardship. Yep. And you're responsible. Oh, wow. Yes. Man, yeah. that still rings true today. Mm-hmm. It's like, and it doesn't, it's, it's leadership anywhere. If you are a leader of of a Fortune 500, if you're a leader of a small church um, in the in rural Colorado, if you're the leader of of anything, you it's stewardship. A family, yeah. and you're responsible for that. So, you know, do we do we want what what is it that that we want to create? Are we just in it for money? Money is a great benefit, but a horrible motivator. Mm-hmm. Yep, for sure. So let me ask you this. Okay, okay, so let's say you are viewing yourself as a steward. So you, you, you're, you're starting to apply these things and you're bringing more clarity to your organization. If there's perfect clarity, is there no conflict? Oh, <laughs> I love this question. You say there, that with a smile on your yeah, face. He, yeah, that yeah. was a total setup. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there better be conflict. Okay. So, I, so you, you want some conflict. Yeah, and, okay. but here's the, here's the definition. So... One of our monikers at the table group in, within the five dysfunctions of a team is that you must have good, healthy conflict. And what does that mean? Hmm. I think this is how I like to define it. Um, conflict is nothing more and nothing less than seeking mutual understanding. It's not actually about being right or wrong. We have, Interesting. we have some pretty deep neuro pathways that have been driven into our brain about what conflict is. It's based on how we observed or experienced conflict as a kid, yeah. right? Um, either it was, there was artificial harmony. Uh, maybe there were days of silence. Yeah. Maybe it was very loud. Um, and maybe at, at its very worst, it was violence. It was all about right or wrong, mm-hmm. winning or losing. But we're saying, no, no, if, if you're doing this right, constructive conflict is actually simply seeking under mutual understanding. That takes a fear out of it right there. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Because can we just lean in with genuine curiosity and, and with inquiry rather than advocating mm-hmm. for a side? Now there's a way we can we can advocate by giving all of the information, but what if if we all three of us are sitting here and we all have a different viewpoint or different opinion about a topic? It's not a personal thing. Oh man, Cindy, that that goes to your personality traits and all that because I'm a yep. three and I can definitely try to 
get into a conversation of my my natural bent. Uh, even especially Guess what? Was, Tell it. Confess it. When I was, <laughs> especially when I was younger in ministry and immature, yeah. just it was to. I'm in this argument to manipulate, not manipulate. I don't say that word, but to get to you where I you. want you to go. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. Oh, I get you. Yeah. And I've learned later in life that the best question you could ask is, "Hey, help me understand," or "Tell me more." Yeah. Mm-hmm. Tell. That's great. Help me understand or tell me more. That's good. That's really good. Mm-hmm. I'm adding tell me more uh, to my repertoire because yeah. that other one has been so helpful for me. Yep. It slows me down and it helps me know why you're arguing for what you're arguing. Okay. For. I, have, I have another question. But okay. do, no, do I love you, it. Are you sure? No, go. Okay. What if for families and, and leaders out there, um, you're witnessing two people have conflict. You actually don't have a dog in the fight, let's say. How do you lead them towards that mutual understanding? Yeah, that's the word mm-hmm. you use, mutual understanding. You know what I'm saying? Because it's one thing to say, tell me more. But when you're witnessing two people that are like at odds, which happens a lot on teams, mm-hmm. how do you lead them towards that mutual understanding? So there's, I think one of the best resources I've ever found about conflict and getting people kind of out of those artificial harmony or mean-spirited personal attacks Um and getting back into like, we call it the constructive center of like a conflict continuum is, is a book by the, um, it's called never split the difference. Mm -hmm. An author by the name of Chris Voss. He was, he's a retired, he's a retired FBI negotiator. Oh wow. Yeah. Oh my goodness. It is such a great listen. And then you'll want to buy it because it's got all these great tools in it. But one of the tools that he talks about in there is finding common ground. So I think sometimes when you've Mm. got a topic in the middle of the room and you're at loggerheads with each other and like you can't even see everybody is advocating for their own side. Number one, one of the things that I coach teams through is, do you know, we all do, but let's just label it. Let's just name it. What does it feel like when you drift to one end or the other of the conflict continuum? When you you feel like you're going to get, oh man, I'm coming down. I'm making it personal. I'm taking it personal. You always, you never, yeah, well, your mama, you know, <laughs> that's right. Yeah. The other end of that continuum is artificial harmony. Where, Everyone's being real nice kind of a thing. Oh no, it's, it's, I'm closing my arms. I'm all closed up. I might just be stonewalling. I'm or, fine. I'm or, fine. Oh yeah. yeah. I, I actually had a client say, you mean, so when my wife says she's fine. She's not really fine. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that might be something you want to talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you find yourself drifting to either on side. Either end, what does it feel like physically? Right? We need to recognize that because your body will respond first. Mm. And if we can recognize it in us, we can start to recognize it in other people. Like if their foot is tapping or, you know, some people, they get red from the chest up all the way through their neck and their ears. And that's when we might want to kind of back up a little bit and go, hey, I think what we actually want is the same thing. State what that is. Uh-huh. And what you want to hear the other person say is, yes, that's, that's right. That's what I want. Uh-huh. When you get to that place... That's a good kind of reset button. Hey, can we can we start from there? Yeah. Because I want the same thing. Mm-hmm. Can we just make it about this? 
and not make it personal or take it personal or, or drift into some artificial harmony? Can we, can we continue having this conversation? Because I think we want the same thing. We both just agreed that's what we both want. Mm -hmm. So there are some tools we can use in order to get there. Yeah. So what you're saying is I need to get split the difference because I have a 17 year old and a 13 year old that, that, uh, always see eye to eye. Oh, <laughs> they struggle. Oh. Yeah. So yeah, it's man, it's hard and it it's, hard. it's funny. We're just relational beings. So it doesn't matter we if it's are. work, doesn't matter if it's family. Yeah. That's a good point. Finding yeah. common ground. So, so I have a, a different direction. And, and I'm, I'm looking at our, our clock and realize yeah. we're, we're kind of coming up. Okay. So I know there's more that we want to say. So yeah. I, I like at the risk of leaving some things on the table. But I have a question. One thing that we, we've talked about a lot recently. Um, well, one, we just finished a series with Mitch leading us through the Enneagram, which is a you know real self-reflective type of a thing. So good. 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 So good. Thank you. He knows his stuff. Um, but it's this idea of self-awareness. And it's come up in other podcast episodes. And I, I think it's maybe, maybe it's because we're a church. I don't know. But I've seen such a correlation to faith and Christianity and even Jesus's teachings to basically saying, like, we need to be more and more and more and more self-aware. It's critical to growth. I'm curious what you'd have to say, what your observations have been. Because a lack of self-awareness, you're really kind of dead in the water mm-hmm. with a lot of the things that we've talked about today. Because you're thinking, it's like the oil company. It's like, we're, we're, we're fun. It's like, no, you're not. We want to be fun. <laughs> yeah, there you go. There you go. <laughs> so what, what, what would you add to that conversation as far as how does, I don't want to ask you too obvious of a question, but um, where do you see those tripping points of people that are just, or organizations that are not self-aware? That's a good question. Um, I see it at so many different levels. They're... Um, Sometimes organizations think they have clarity and yet nobody in the organization is making any decisions based on that clarity. So So they're making decisions, but not necessarily on the clarity. And so they're going in a lot of different directions and probably not the direction that they want to go. And they'll be surprised when they fail or they miss the mark. Um, A lack of clarity in organization is it, not a lack of clarity, a lack of using the clarity and implementing the clarity. Um, sometimes the clarity isn't actually their clarity, um, but not implementing and using the clarity is probably one of the biggest mm. places where organizations are not aware. Mm-hmm. Um, leaders can lack self-awareness um, no, no, we've got this great mission statement. We've got these great values, but they're, um, maybe they're not, um, having conversations with the right people within the organization to understand that that clarity isn't being used or it's not practical mm-hmm. sometimes. Um, another level of, of self-awareness that we talk about a lot when I'm leading individual teams is just this idea of, you know, we talked about, um, you guys call it the widget, which cracks me up. Um, that, that is the, ac- it's not meant to be, uh-huh. it, but, but that's what it's. That's how I remember out. it. I know. Yeah. <laughs> um, this idea of working genius. One of the reasons why assessments are so great within organizations is because it allows us like the Enneagram 
uh, Working Genius, Myers-Briggs, they all bring a different type, a mm. nuanced Very type true. of self-awareness. Yeah. But not only self-awareness, like when I understand what your, how you show up through your Enneagram or, you know, whatever other assessment, personality, pure personality assessment, then I have a ton of, it just changes the way that you and I interact. If I know that you're highly relational or empathetic and maybe I'm not as much, I'm going to, I can raise, rise to the occasion, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, and you can, you can reach me halfway. So there's, I think there's a great benefit in some of, in, in different types of assessments for this very specific reason, for self-awareness and awareness mm-hmm. to the people around you. Because, you know, we were talking just a little bit ago, some, some people need to be led differently than other people, just like our kids. We've, you know, I have, we have three grown kids. They're all uniquely different and they require different parenting. And I'm sure you guys are seeing that with mm-hmm. your kids. Mm-hmm. So, oh, yeah. right. So yeah. we can't, we need to know kind of how our, how the people are that we're leading are built and created and how they'll best respond. Yeah. I imagine when organizations bring you in, there's this sense of, Hey, something's not right. And I imagine a a lot of times the leaders have an idea of what needs to be fixed. And I wonder how often they were like dead wrong because they Mm -hmm. just, they actually didn't know, you know, what was truly going on. Or so yeah, going with what you said, the leader has an idea, but it's different than every other person in the room. Right. The people actually on Mm -hmm. the ground floor are going, this is what we should do. And they're right. Yeah. But the leader doesn't. So I let think me, that's, that's a problem. Mm, I yeah. think that's the biggest problem with self-awareness is there's no feedback loop or loop mm-hmm. or there's no system created to allow it. And uh, I think that's true in families. There's mm-hmm. a lot of families don't allow it. And mm-hmm. uh, no, I'm, I'm right. I'm dad. I'm mom. Yeah. I'm, I'm the leader. My way goes. My way the, or the highway. And same thing in organizations. So. And that makes me think one, one of our staff members was, I don't know where he, he heard this or read this or what, whatever, but he said, um, the higher up in the organization you go, uh, it's it's much more difficult to be self-aware. Have you found that to be true? In some cases, mm-hmm. but not it not it's not a hard and fast rule. Uh-uh. But what he was saying was that it's easier the higher you go in an organization, the easier it is to become isolated. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that's a bigger issue. Yeah, yeah. Then you become you mm-hmm. struggle with self-awareness mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. sure. And awareness of what's going on in the rest of the organization. Yeah. With the people. And there's, there's a reality, I think, with leadership in business and leadership in anything, church, business, whatever, is it, it's a little exhausting. It's and, hard. And the larger the organization you lead, the more tiring it is. And, yep. the, and over time, the easier it is for people to isolate themselves out of protection. Mm-hmm. It's not out of intention. It's out of protection. I'm just mm-hmm. like, oh, I'm just, I can't deal with that anymore. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden you start creating uh, values that aren't written on mm-hmm. the wall. <laughs> yeah. But they're actually unwritten values that start happening down the hall, right? Accidental. Yeah, accidental values. Mm-hmm. And that's, yeah. And, uh, so, so along those lines, Cindy, I appreciate every, there's so many other questions I want to ask. I'm grateful that you're, you're, you're coming this weekend to, to do some teaching and, mm-hmm. and, and, and help a lot of our leaders here. But for any, uh, 
you know, organizational leaders, any, any people leading in their home right now, is there any bit of encouragement or any, anything that you'd want to offer them um, as they're maybe feeling that they're drinking from a fire hose of all these things that they need to start working on and assessing and implementing? It's, what encouragement would you have? It's such a good question because, um, you know, the work that I do alongside the table group, um, so many people will look at what we bring to an organization and like, it's so simple. It's not complex at all. In fact, it's embarrassingly simple. <laughs> I've actually asked other consultants, is that really this easy? Is it really this simple? It's simple. It's a simple model. It's not simple to execute. Okay. So it takes great intentionality. So to answer your question, Nick, I, I would say, actually, it's not that hard. But it does take some intentional mm-hmm. conversations mm-hmm. and some intentional decisions, right? Um, can we can we create that there's there's something askew? I mean, you're right. Most of the times when I sit down with a CEO or with the owner of an organization or a company, it's like, tell me, tell me what your biggest challenge is right now. And they know, they know exactly what it is. Families, if we were to sit down with families, hey, what's your biggest challenge right now? Well, it might be, you know, my, my, these two kids that they just can't get along. They like, they can't even sit in the car next to each other without going out after each other. Okay. Well, maybe let's just talk about what, what you desire and not rules. And that gets back to that, that core value. Mm -hmm question mm-hmm. hey what if there were a set of just three things if it if it's a company if you haven't done the work of what of of really really i mean really <laughs> have you created core values that you're making decisions that uh, that is creating culture within your organization if they're just in frames in the hallway going to the bathroom mm-hmm. I can almost guarantee that they're not being used to create culture within yeah. your organization. Yeah. So number one, I would say anybody, anybody can do this, pick up the book, the advantage. Um, it, it, it walks all the way through it and do one thing, just one thing. Hey, what's our family going to be about? Mm-hmm. What's our, our church going to be about? There's how many churches in Longmont? We, we wouldn't even be able to count them all. There's a reason why there are so many different churches yeah. because God actually is using them in different ways for different purposes. So we all follow one God, but there's one can be all about, we're going to dive deep into scripture verse by verse, mm-hmm. or maybe another one's going to be about social justice or, you know, whatever that is. The same thing is true with families. Hey, this family, they're all about being collegiate and learning. This family is all about adventure. These are the things that we love, and this is how we roll. What is it for your family? Mm. What is it for your company? What is it for your hamburger shop that's going to be different than any, every mm. other hamburger shop? I think you just you just start, right? You I think if you start. make, I think that's one thing for us. We just decided in our family, and then we also decided to staff here at church that that we were going to make not just growth the goal. We were going to make health the goal, and so when you make health the goal. You just start down that journey. Mm-hmm. And how do we get healthier? Mm-hmm. Relationally, 
in all those different ways. And man, there's a lot of, like you said, the advantage uh, mm-hmm. for businesses or um, what was Fren- the book? Frantic families. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Three, is it three de- decisions? Three, three questions. For frantic families. For family, yeah. frantic, frantic families. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, you just start. And yeah. what we found is we, when we make that the goal, we keep running into other people mm-hmm. that have made that goal and we're further than they are in some things and they learn from us and they're further than we are in other things. Matt and Amanda just came back from a conference. We're implementing two or three other things that we're like, whoa, these people are doing this. We never thought of that. Awesome. And you just make that the journey and you keep going. Yeah. You just start. Cindy, you're, you're gracious to say, hey, pick up these books anyone can apply it. But I know there's some listeners that would say, I think we need someone to, to, to step in. How do people uh, get in touch with you or how mm-hmm. do they hire you? How do they find out more of what you do? Yeah. Where do they go? Well, they can do a couple things. They can go to my website. It's not fancy, um, but it's collectiveco.co. Okay. So the word collective, co.co. Um, it tells about everything that we offer. It t- you can actually sign up right there and get mm-hmm. on my calendar that way. And we can just have a 30 minute conversation. Um, I love, I love to talk to people about leadership and teams and clarity. So we'll have a, you know, a conversation. Well, it's worth it. Um, we've, we've had you quite a few times mm-hmm. and it's yeah. been awesome. Super yeah. helpful. Thank you. I'm looking forward course. to that first anecdote of a family hired me. <laughs> I know when that, that would, that's that going to be really cool. Well, I would do it for free because I'm so passionate about families, but here's the last thing. Like if, if I could just wrap it up in a bow, um, there's a, you know, something that you said, Sean, just a minute ago, you know, we, we decided we were going to be healthy, not just grow. Um, we say something similar. There's a difference between being smart, having a smart organization and we're talking about, you know, we have the best, we have the best budget, even your family. Okay. All of these things apply. We have the best, we have the best finances. We have the best mm. marketing. We have the best technology. We hire the best degrees. We're going to make sure our kids go to the best schools, whatever all the best are. There's a difference between smart and healthy. We can have all the intellect in the world and it will never raise the level of health within our organization or our family. But if over 25 years now of the table group doing this, we, we have proven data that if an organization will focus on the health of an organization, which we would say is minimal politics, minimal confusion, high productivity, high morale, and low turnover, those are the markers of a healthy organization. Um, I think we could make markers for a healthy family, mm. right? If we will focus on the health of an organization, it automatically doubles the level of intellect. So true. Interesting. It's so true. Automatically, but the opposite doesn't doesn't apply. So we can't just, and this is this is the the pattern that we fall into. We can't just focus on all the best of everything and assume that that's gonna get us the the outcome that we Mm -hmm. desire. Yeah. We actually have to do the hard things to create some health within our organization. And it's not touchy-feely and it's not, you know, all the things that people might think when we talk about health within organizations. But it ends up being a whole lot more fun. Oh, my gosh. For sure. 
Well, Cindy, thank you so much for, for passing along this information. Uh, you know, I've had a bunch of conversations with you, the, these trainings. So I'm, I'm grateful that we can finally bring this to our, our podcast audience. Thank you for the investment that you're making at Rocky, but also in all these organizations in our community. It means a, it means a lot. Yes, Cindy, we appreciate you a ton. Thanks. It's a blast, you guys. Thanks for having me. Well, thanks again for joining us on Rocky Unscripted. If you'd like to find out more about our church, you can go to rocky.church slash this week. And no matter when you're listening, it'll always be up to date. We love to connect with you and love to serve as much as we can. Please share the podcast, rate us, review us. That helps us be seen by more and more people. Love you guys. and We'll catch you next time.